Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this week's Talking City podcast. My name is Simon Bykoski and I'm joined by Dan Murphy to uh, talk about all things Manchester City. We've uh, we've already gone over Newcastle last week, so this is here to talk about the defeat to Wolves at the weekend and look ahead to RB Leipzig. So, um, Dan, how are we? I'm all right, I'm all right. It's weird being on this side of the uh, the podcast, not controlling, not managing. Yeah, the I'm, in cha- I'm in charge today. And also, on, don't do me dirty. I've a, been to the game. So as as a result of you being to the game while I was um, putting my feet up on holiday. So, very right. jealous, very jealous. I want to know what's going on. I go away for a week and Man City fall apart, football falls apart. <laughs> well, like it's um, Yeah, so City were going for seven leagues mm. in a row and... They did not get it. So, no, um, it would have been a record, wouldn't it? I don't think any Premier League teams ever done seven on spin. Right, or it's been done twice, and each team, each time that team won the league, City have only won seven on the bounce to start a season in like the eighteen nineties, <laughs> and it was in the second division. So it would have been quite an accomplishment for them to do it. Yeah, but as you say, they didn't two defeats in a week now. And Wolves, it was a strange game. It was a great game actually. It was meant. It was such a raucous atmosphere the Wolves the Wolves have safe standing which I didn't know so that big cop behind the goal was just rammed it must have had at least 5,000 people in it and the way Wolves is set out the away end is pretty horrible as you probably know all the City fans were on across the long terrace yeah. the long tier on the bottom so it was hard for them to get much noise going whereas Wolves had the whole block of fans behind it and it was hostile to say the least of course because of Matthias Nunes we kind of talked about it last week previewing it and before the match, I was wondering, they didn't actually read City's teams out over the PA. And I was like, oh, Nunes hasn't got his first boo of the day. And before he'd even touched the ball, he was getting X-rated chance from the very first second he was getting called. Well, if you were there, you probably know. I, I definitely can't repeat it on this podcast, that's for sure. And then every single touch was like, not just booed, like whistled, howled, jeered, booed. And then any, and he didn't make many, but he did kind of get... Um, caught out on the ball a couple of times and when that happened he was oh he ran out of play once he was cheered to whole hell and that kind of I think that kind of added to Wolves it like really fueled the fans it really gave a for a typical kind of City away match where you expect City to win this had a bit more juice in the fruit because of the Nunes thing and it gave the Wolves fans something to really get behind and they really got they really got behind the team who did in turn gave them something to even support because they were they were really good the Gary O'Neill kind of 
still a novice in Premier League managing terms. He's only probably a year or so. You know, see, he was at Bournemouth last year, coming in at Wolves amid loads of chaos, and his, his game plan was spot on. He he kept. He said after the game, he kept Pedro Neto really high up that pitch. He started. He kept. He went to a five at the back to try and deal with City's kind of row of six forwards they have, but he kept three attackers on with Hoang. Uh, Neto and Kuna up front, three pacey forwards, and with with Neto, he kept it right on Ake, knowing that City tends to go to a back three when they're in the ball, and the amount of times they just caught him out over the top, long balls to Neto, who's absolutely rapid. Had poor Nathan Ake, we'll talk more on him later, but had one of the probably the worst game of his City career. Both goals coming down this side, and City. It was one of those matches where you could feel it, kind of similar to Newcastle, whereas. Um, City wasn't really bothered about that match it seems they were quite happy to let that one go they were bothered this time and it was just this kind of same situation where you just kind of know City haven't got anything in them the, the goal a great goal so it was but it came from a free kick and other than that other than a kind of an opening in the first five minutes which um, had Nunes got in behind and nearly shut the Wolves fans up by putting it on the plate for Haaland they didn't really have any clear cut openings and you know City are doing bad when they're resorting to shooting from 30 yards, the defenders, you know, Walker, I think Walker, Diaz and Phillips kind of counts as a defender. And maybe um, Akanji all tried the look from 30 yards and Walker came close, but most of the time they just blazed over and, you know, Doku had plenty of shots from outside the area as well. You just know when City are lacking that bit of spark, they resort to shooting from distance. And sometimes it works, you know, sometimes Vincent Company will whack it in from 30 yards for probably the greatest goal. Um, one of the best goals in City's history. Sometimes John Stones will fire one in for 30 yards against Borussia Dortmund, but they're the only two examples I can think of off the top of my head where things were going against City. They took a chance and it went in. Most of the time they don't, and that, that proved to be the case on Saturday. Yeah, there tend to be like two kinds of City, City lost performances, mm. don't they? One where they create loads and they don't take any of the chances, mm. and the other one where they don't create chances and they're sort mm. of shooting from outside the box. And those are the ones you worry about more because... It's a sign of a team not playing well. Like you mentioned uh, the atmosphere for Nunes and he was kind of always going to get it and a Wolves fan base who can be really nasty towards players but also have not had, you know, the Wolves fans are not best pleased with the the starts of the season either or they weren't Mm. before Saturday. So there was kind of, you know, potential mutiny in the air Um, but actually they got a really terrific performance. Did that atmosphere, did it contribute to why City weren't as good as they are? Like, what what's behind why City didn't play well? I don't think it was a case of City kind of crumbled in a hostile yeah. atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it was that. Guardiola didn't say it was that. Nunes came off at half-time um, and the kind of assumption was on our end that, well, maybe it's just he wants to take that lightning rod out of the side. And as it turned out, he was asked about it after the game and he said, no, I as we'll talk about him later on Oscar Bob came on which was, it felt like a massive call because Nunes wasn't playing badly by any means um, but he, want, he he explained afterwards that Oscar Bob came on to because he was better in the, the tight smaller spaces and that proved to be true for maybe seven minutes of the first half and then in the end this, this bit, the spaces became just too tight after Wolves went ahead so I don't think the atmosphere made City bad per se but what I think it did the other way was really give the Wolves players something to go for I mean the I don't get to go to many Premier League matches these days, being a Bolton and Everton Carls fan. So there's not often I get to be in full stadiums. And it's been a long time since I can remember such a 
feverish kind of atmosphere. It was yeah. so committed was the thing, like every single touch. <laughs> Even when he wasn't on the ball, it would be... Um, when he was off the pitch, it was like, uh, Nunes, what's the score? And <laughs> what a waste of money, which seems kind of paradoxical. If you wanted him so badly, he can't be that much of a waste of money. Um, but it just made it. And then later in the second half, when there was, from Wolves' perspective, some controversial decisions, as we'll, as we'll come on to, that kind of added it, that sense of injustice after City's goal that they had really... They didn't go quiet after City scored and you would kind of expect City to then go on and steam them. They, kept, they really did keep the eye on the team. And I think that helped the Wolves players more than it made City crumble. As I said, it was one of those, it was a, you know, we saw that it's two in a week with the Newcastle and Wolves games. It was both been quite the typical disappointing City displays where they can't get through and say, it was, it would say it was a, it was a strange one. They just like, they, they started quite well within five minutes. Um, Diaz lofted a great ball over the top and Nunes running on, got on the end of it and he probably could have shot, but he passed it across the face of the goal and Haaland couldn't quite get a touch on it. I think it was good defending from Kid Kilman. Um, that got it away. But like apart from that, and then maybe one other sight in the second half, they didn't get Haaland involved in that like six-yard box. He was hardly on the ball, which is another kind of factor in when City don't play well, it's usually when Haaland isn't getting on the ball at all. I think he had I think he had like 15 touches in the match, and two of them presumably would have been off three, would have been um kickoffs. So they really didn't get him involved. They kind of resorted to those to those um shots from outside the box. And the Nunes decision bringing him off. I think it was the bad one because he was playing well. He was Guardiola explained it as I say by saying Bob would have been better in those tight spaces and working things out. But I think Nunes was doing that himself. It was weird. He kept playing quite going quite far out wide, so it was kind of congested at times. But when Nunes got on the ball, he was the only one really who was bringing it forward and getting past players and making stuff happen. Um, he also had a chance when another lofted ball, and again he got he was kind of the only player running in behind, and he nearly got a head onto a ball after. Another lofted one over the top. So I think taking him off was a bit of a mistake. And But then the main, I think the main problem of why City weren't playing well was the absence of Rodri. And that's the big story and obviously the big worry ahead of Arsenal. I think losing Rodri is, um, it, it proved to be the issue that we all kind of expected it would be. You talk about sort of those issues. City have had those kind of issues this season and they've, Falling behind to Sevilla and West Ham, and the Sheffield United equalised against them. Fulham equalised against them. They won every game. So, for how bad they were, they get back to one-one. What are you thinking at that point? Everyone's thinking they were uh, they were going to win. I think Gary O'Neill said after the match, like everyone in the country expected um, City to go on and win. Even Nathan Ake after the match said like it was a big disappointment to get that level and then yeah. and then to fall behind did, again. Did it feel like momentum shifted a bit inside the stadium? It was just... I think everyone kind of... Expected, it was one of them maybe, and I don't want to just kind of accuse anyone of complacency or anything, but it felt like, oh, we've got level, we've got the... It was a great... It was an amazing free kick from yeah. Alvarez, but it was a a ball out of nothing. It was a yeah. free kick they won. He somehow squeezed it in from 30 yards. I wouldn't, from the chances they were creating, they didn't exactly deserve to be back. But once they have got that boost, you kind of expect the home fans to go quiet. Wolves, who are already kind of dug in deep, how do they then come out? But the trend of the match continued. And I don't think I've ever seen City gotten at so much. I, like, I can't really, unless you kind of watch the full match, I don't even know if the highlights would do it justice because a lot of the times Wolves nearly got in behind. Diaz or Akanji had to like stretch back, run back and deal with the ball. And they did, like, even though they lost, Diaz and Akanji both played quite well because the amount of times they had to deal with Wolves' with three, Wolves with three fast strikers coming at them, they had to come across and 
and win the ball off him. And it's that that trend of the match continued even after the goal. That Neto, as I say, was really high up, going over, and because Pep obviously likes to play have the defender go into the midfield. This time it was the Walker basically playing as a whole winger, basically dominating the whole flank. Because the ball was changing hands so often and Wolves were getting so many turnovers, Walker was caught up at the pitch. So City have a back three. Ake's going over to try and deal with Neto, who's got the, the beating of him, and Nelson Semedo as well, coming up from right wing back. Both of them had the beating of Ake. So then you've got Kanji and Diaz who are having to struggle. They're stretched coming across. Now most of the times they won, they won the tackle. They got the ball, but a lot of the times they couldn't. And you know the own goal, the opener was it coming off Diaz from Neto's great run. The second goal again, the defense was. If you've seen the goal, you know that there was hardly anyone in the box for to defend for City because Diaz, I think it was, was coming over to try and deal with the ball coming in. It then lands at Cunha who takes a stab at it. I think Edison saves and then eventually does a good pass for Hoang to just cut in and it was just like I've never seen City have less control I think I think it boils down to that thing that Guardiola always says and it's always the thing he wants the most he wants control City didn't have it for pretty much the entire match the amount of it was so frantic that they couldn't get a foot on the ball they were losing it there was a one point it was a, it was a Really hard game to blog live, I tell you, because the the moment you look down to type, something had happened. The ball had changed hands. There was not there was not many of the until the, the last twenty minutes when City had the ball and but couldn't make chances because Wolves had dug in. There wasn't then periods of City just completely controlling the ball, completely dominating possession, and um, doing meaningful stuff with it. Instead, they were losing it. Wolves were transitioning really quickly to Neto and Semedo and uh, Eight Nori, who had a really good game until he until he went off and Hoang, they had so many runners going straight out of City and as we kind of know, if you get in behind City, there is, you know, that is the weakness, that's the, the exhaust part on the Death Star, that that one weakness that they can't seem to deal with and I'm, when you have to take Rodri out of that equation, who is usually so good at keeping the ball, so good at controlling it, slowing down the tempo and obviously protecting the defence and then you have that stretch back line, the Wolves just got out and it was really, really tactically astute from Gary O'Neill and I think some controversy can, not controversy, sorry, some kind of criticism can be laid at Guardiola for maybe not changing that back line. I I don't quite understand why he didn't just go to a flat back four when it was so obvious Ake was getting getting um really left exposed every time and again he was getting beat down that flank. And as I say, both goals coming down his side. Why not bring Walker back and let it just be a flat back four, even if it's just for twenty minutes to kind of stem the tide a bit? Because as I was saying earlier, and as we'll maybe touch on a bit more. It detail in part two, Kovacic just did not did not cope well in that in that holding role either. So you take Rodri out, dis, kind of dislodges the defence, gets everything off kilter, and will, a manager who spotted those weaknesses and they they kind of ruthlessly exposed them. And City just didn't have an answer for it after that second goal. I think Nathan Ake described that second goal as a killer afterwards, and I think that's what it was. It kind of took they were trying to build momentum. I think the I think the winner came maybe like five or six ten minutes tops after the equaliser, and it just took the wind they were building just completely completely out the sails you've kind of yeah you've spoken a bit about what went wrong for City you've also praised a lot of Wolves players mm. and Gary O'Neill um, like Wolves have been a bit strange this season mm. in terms of you know they got battered at home to Brighton I think mm. but you know they were a, a bad refereeing decision away from getting a result at Old Trafford yeah um, took the lead at Liverpool took the lead against Liverpool should have been more than 1-0 mm -hmm. up against Liverpool they played really well in that first half but then um, lost so 
Wolves obviously deserve a lot of credit for yeah, this game. Definitely. How, when you look at it from a City perspective, is it a bad game to lose or is it one of those when you're taking kind of the situation of the squad, do you sort of think, actually, you know, we're going to drop points along the way of the season that it came at the wrong time for him? I think what makes it worse is that, you know, kind of Guardiola laughed off the Rodri problem ahead of the match. He was asked, you know, how do you replace him? He said, we'll still have 11 players. And he has to say that, obviously. He has to back his, you know, his replacements and the team up. And of course, it's a talented team, but it was made... You know, Rodri wouldn't have started against Newcastle anyway, but they've lost now two games without him. And it was so obvious that was the biggest issue. And of course, the problem, maybe, you know, one defeat in a season, even against a team of a lower standing like Wolves, is by no means a disaster, especially when it's so early, as we talked about at length last season. Like City were behind the race for so long last year. And only, you know, it was in until February when they really hit the stride and clawed Arsenal back in. But with Tottenham doing really well and sticking about and they're now second and now Arsenal next week they've got a chance to go ahead of City having beaten them we remember that what made last season so weird is that City and Arsenal couldn't play for so long yeah. uh, they didn't play in the tall till January was it in the FA Cup yeah which as you say that win Arsenal kind of maybe sacrificed that that win gave City the momentum I'm wondering if sacrificing that Carrier Cup defeat as um, against Newcastle as good as it makes the calendar did it take the momentum off City after starting so well? I wonder. And then they didn't play them in the league till, was it March, April? They didn't have the first meeting in the league. And by then, City were having the momentum clawing it back. If Arsenal, who have the momentum, 4-0 win on Saturday themselves, maybe Saka's injured, Rice might be injured, so they're by no means at full strength. But City going into that without Rodri, having just been beaten by Wolves without Rodri, and that so clearly being the issue, I think it's, Poor timing, and you know they can lose to Arsenal, and it'd only be two. They'd only be two points ahead. It's by no means, you know, they, they, what was it? What did the gap get to last year? Nine was it? One point seven at least. So it's going to be by no means um, kind of decisive so early. But going into that match, it's by no means um, good, and it's just a good job that he is back for Tuesday against Leipzig, which will hopefully give him give City a bit of a confidence boost if they can get back to winning ways. Right, that's it for part one. Join us for part two, where we'll get into Rodri a bit more, referees and a few of the bigger issues around City. Welcome back. And we are going to talk Rodri now. Mm. Um, It's kind of been clear for a while, hasn't it? That like, if you took one, if you could choose one player to take out a C and they'd really struggle, it would be Rodri. And thanks to his stupidity against Nottingham Forest City now in that position, um, like you say, they were probably always going to play without him against Newcastle, but Wolves was the first sort of league game where Guardiola had to decide how his team looked without him. So what did he do? Well, it was Kovacic in that position. So with how City kind of on the ball had the back three, it's almost like a defensive diamond when you see it. It's like Kovacic at the tip with um, Akanji would have been in the middle, Diaz and Diaz and uh, no, sorry, it would have been Diaz in the middle, Akanji and Ake kind of splitting out wide with Walker gone up front. So you have uh, Kovacic in that middle, and he just he just isn't Rodri. Now it's hard to call him for not being Rodri because who is Rodri? He's the best defensive midfielder on the planet, but he's just not as. 
composed on the ball and he's not composed enough off the ball either. I said to Joe last week, and I'm now going to take my my, uh, <laughs> my victory lap, Like I was worried about Kovacic in that position. I think I've said to you several times, like, I'm still not sold in him as a City kind of signing, especially as the calibre of Gundogan. Now, I think for £25 million and a, such an experienced player, and a, and a good player, don't get me wrong, it's by no means a bad signing, but he just doesn't... I'm still not seeing the the temperament the, and the class of needed to be in a City midfield. And against Wolves, he was so sloppy on the ball. The first goal comes from his pass to Foden's heel. I mean, maybe you could call Foden for not getting under control. I think that's harsh. It was literally straight at Foden's heel. It bounced off him. And then Foden was the one marching around trying to chase Neto and Neto got away from him. I don't recall seeing what Kovacic did afterwards, but he lost the ball there. Um, then the, the goal goes in. In the second half, Wolves had a great chance to go 2-0 up. <clears throat> Pardon me. When he got dispossessed on the ball, he was trying to do what he probably does best and run, you know, drive forward with, with the ball at his feet. He can beat players, but when he usually does that, he's doing that from an attacking position and isn't leaving the hole exposed. He did that there, got dispossessed. He thought he was fouled. He wasn't. It was a, it was a great sliding challenge. And then Wolves countered as they had done all day and, and hope, uh, it was up to Akanji to block from Hwang, who had a, had a good chance. Um, and he'd been losing, I think, just before the goal, I was talking to Ty, who I was with, and I was like, Kovacic has lost the ball there. And he's done it again. Oh, and he's done it again. And then then Wolves went and scored. He did that so many times. Um, in the second half, no, he'd gone off by the second goal, and he, but he'd, he'd just continue just to be sloppy. And it wasn't like his passes were... Like completely wayward, but they were like they didn't have that conviction behind them. They were just like like weak and stopping before the player. You know what I mean? And the play, the passes that you'd have Rodri doing, the simple ones that you just calm and thin down, slow thin down to keep things ticking over. The short passes to his defence with Kovacic, they were like either like too soft and and um, intercepted or like too hard and giving the giving the his his teammate a difficult touch. And then off the ball, he's he's tackling. It's all good being like the all action midfielder again when you're further up. And you sliding in, and it doesn't matter if you get miss, get it wrong, and get get taken past. But so many times he dive in, and again just leaving the position behind him exposed, leaving the defence exposed. I think he picked up a booking um, just before he was hauled off, and I think it says quite a lot that he was taken off for Calvin Phillips just after the hour because City weren't in control, weren't didn't have the ball. Now, unluck unluckily for Phillips, he had nothing to do with the second goal, but he was brought on to kind of stem that Wolves tied and get City on the ball and then Wolves went and scored straight after there was not much he could have done about that but I think I don't know if City have an option to replace Rodri which is obviously the worrying thing going into Arsenal next week yeah so like did Phillips stem control and like they've also got Nunes who well they say can play six like did who got hooked at half time so like who who out of the three of them put their hand up to say I'm I'm starting against Arsenal I think Nunes was the best player, but he was taken off at half time. Now, but he wasn't. I've been really surprised by Nunes. I said it last week. I didn't know he was so good on the ball, kind of carrying it, going past players, really being that man to drive deep and get behind, like in the defence. Like I didn't realise he had such attacking kind of prowess to his game. I thought he was much more of a defensive, and I'm, I'm almost certain he was a bit more like that for Wolves. And maybe that makes sense that like he was kind of the one sitting. Um, I think to me it has to be him, but again now that I've only now I've seen him playing the attacking role for City, I don't know if he can do that either. If it was out of all three of them, I think it would be Nunes. Phillips came on, 
he, he did all right, but like we, me and Joel talked about it for the Newcastle game, he, he doesn't stand out and it's, it's, he kind of yeah. sticks out like a stuff. I'm just completely contradicting myself, but he sticks out like a sore thumb in that City team in like the opposite way of yeah. like, he, it's quite clear he just doesn't, he's not at that level. Kovacic went playing further forward and in the role he likes and can move forward with the ball and isn't taking risks when he does go forward. You know, he's pretty good. He's had a good start to the season. I had my concerns about him playing in the defensive role when he needed a bit more discipline and a bit more kind of less risk taker, shall we say. I don't think he lived up to that. So it's hard. I answered. I think I'd have said Nunes before. I said Nunes last week ahead of the Wolves match. I don't know if it is now and I'd wonder if it might even be Rico Lewis. Like uh, the Arsenal match, I think City are very lucky Rice is injured and he, he might even be back. I'm not sure what the latest is. But they've still got to deal with Odegaard, Havertz, uh, Vieira if he plays, and obviously I think Party as well probably in there. Like they got overrun by a Wolves team who was playing five at the back and had two midfielders and just really pressing high with the, you know, keeping the the free forwards high. I don't know what they're going to do against Arsenal because that is going to be for the first time in what must be like four or five years. Like you don't, Guardiola's got like a a bad selection dilemma of not knowing who to play because of who's going to be best there and. It's, it's going to be very interesting. It wouldn't surprise me if, if it is a defender because I'm not sure if any of the actual midfielders are cut out for it, especially against Arsenal. Now, Guardiola doesn't... I mean, he sometimes doesn't make any subs, but he's not known for making subs. And it's very rare for anyone really to make half-time subs. Yeah. So take Nune, to start Nunes when you know he's going to get half-style mm. reception and then take him off at half-time, is that... Do, does that help him? Is that for, like, for his protection? Does he say, thanks, boss... I didn't want to be back out there. Or is he kind of a bit dispirited by the fact that he's not even been given the second half to play? I imagine that the tactical decision Guardiola gave can, you know, paper over any concerns of that regard. Like he wasn't, as I said, Nunes wasn't playing badly at all. It wasn't like he was getting affected by the cheering or the booing or the jeering. I think maybe, maybe one moment late in the half when Wolves had already gone ahead and City were kind of crump you know how City can sometimes do after they concede where they have like a wobble for five minutes and yeah. everyone's a bit rubbish there was one moment where I think he either like dribbled the ball out or he lost it like took I think he took a sloppy touch and Wolves again just sprinted down the other end and that was like cheered so so loudly by the Wolves fans and maybe that looked a bit to Guardiola that it was him getting affected I don't think it was I think that was just the, the situation of the game and as Guardiola said it was nothing to do with the crowd reaction it was to get Oscar Bob on but it felt like a big risk and Bob did alright uh, we talked about him extensively at Newcastle I didn't expect him to get such a big chance so soon in the Premier League he did alright but by the time you know when, when Wolves went ahead they just that's when they just piled everyone back and City weren't getting through as we say I think Nunes will <clears throat> if I was him I, I'd be taking confidence from that because I honestly think he was City's best player in that first half and and I was, it was very surprised when he went off. As I say, I, Kovacic would have been the one I'd have taken off um, straight away. Or maybe even Foden or Alvarez. I mean, Alvarez scored, but Foden and Alvarez, they didn't, they didn't have much in anything on the match. It was Nunes was the one who was getting his foot on the ball and making things happen. And what, what I did find interesting, like as I said earlier, his, his positioning was quite strange. He was going out wide quite a lot, and then whichever flank it was, so then it was a bit congested because it was basically like they had... Nunes, Alvarez and Foden all operating in like China Central because then you've got Doku and Walker on the flanks but then Nunes himself was going forward but then either on either wing so it was like the attacking positioning of all of City's players was quite strange I don't remember them doing it like that it's usually more 3-2 two, 
4-1. That's what it was last year with Stones going to a CDM. And now where it's been changed to Walker basically playing as a winger and a right back to get Foden in the middle. It's making that middle so congested, which then made Nunes go slightly wider to the left, but then that in turn kind of drowned Doku out, who had a couple of chances. Looked quite lively, actually, Doku, especially in the first half. But again, could only really have shots from outside the box that went well wide. So it, it was just a weird setup all, all, all round for City. And as I say, I'm a bit surprised. Um, nothing, nothing kind of changed tactically because, like, maybe it would be like an admission of getting it wrong or not wanting to compromise against a team you deem you should be able to beat. But like Guardiola changes his tactics and his systems depending on the opposition and the match. You know, he's a, he's a genius, as everyone knows. So it it just did just seem strange to me that he kind of persevered with Walker playing as the winger all match and then having such a congested middle because they they couldn't get through they weren't getting they weren't really getting anything in behind the wings because Wolves as I said set up really well with a back back three and two kind of defensive wing backs and they just really drowned City out all all over the pitch really and it I mean it seems strange to take Nunes off at half time mm. also it seems strange if fine if you're taking him off tactically um if you want kind of more control and more sort of creativity in uh the final third in sort of those tight spaces there's a fellow that you've paid under a million for who was your best player for most of last season um is it i mean he's come back from injury yeah is it are we reading into that that maybe he's just not quite fit enough for 45 minutes or it, it seems strange to me to see yeah. Oscar Bob coming on at half time rather than Jack Grealish. Yeah. yeah, it was a weird one. And I think we were all kind of surprised at the match. Now, Grealish had 90 minutes at Newcastle, which made me think that he wasn't definitely wasn't going to start over Wolves, uh, Wolves, whereas Kovacic came off at 70, which seemed really pre-planned. So it's pretty obvious he was going to start um, regardless of which, which role it was. I guess it was just because Grealish, he only sees Grealish now as as the winger and doesn't want him centrally. He tried it a couple of times, didn't he? But you've got Foden Alvarez who play centrally. So, exactly. You know, so, like you say, it's so congested that's, that middle. That's exactly what I mean. Um, because he was doing what... Because he only had basically one winger naturally on the pitch in Doku and had Walker playing further up. I'm guessing by the time Grealish came on, about the 70th minute, he did go on the left and Doku went over onto the right. I think he took Ake off, which had then left... Grealish as the left back and how I was stunned City didn't actually get done <laughs> done on the counter again actually I guess it's because he sees Bob as this time Bob has played as a winger when he's come on in the Premier League before this week and he played centrally against Newcastle and, and I don't know if you managed to watch it when you were sunning yourself <laughs> over in Turkey I, I hope I hope he didn't because it would not have been worth taking away from any holiday holiday enjoyment but he was really good especially in the first half he was really kind of silky and elegant on the ball in this central position created the two best chances for City and playing through Julian Alvarez. And as he came, I can understand why he'd want to give Bob a chance after such kind of a confidence-boosting game. It was still a shock to see him coming on at the break. Um, he started well. He, he managed to smuggle the ball through to Haaland just after the break. And it was it was kind of a... He was wide, and I think he hit the shot like down and bounced in. So it was kind of easy for Saar to, to gather. But it was like the first kind of time since that that first minute um, attack when Nunes put him through that Haaland had, had a sight of goal and oh, that's that's better from City they're getting into the box they're, they're making they're at least making chances that you could feasibly more score off than 
shooting from outside the box. And then he did win the free kick, which Alvarez scored from as well. So it was a decent start. But then, as you know, the, as we've said, the killer goal, City as a whole faded. And he, he did well in the terms of working hard. He, he was like the one running back on occasions when Wolves were trying to counter a couple of times. He was like the furthest person back for City. But in terms of attacking sense, he didn't get on it as much, but literally no one did. But I'd, I, I think I can't honestly can't remember a chance they had in the box after that one that Bob created just after the break. Oh, my apologies. They had one, didn't they, when Dawson cleared it off the line. Um, I think that was from a corner or at least a free kick. So other than that, they just really weren't creating from open play. And I don't think Bob can be a victim of that. It'd be a great experience for him. Um, say he looked lively at times. But then you say the Grealish question, I think it might just be more of a case of fitness and him wanting a player in the middle. But you, you do have a point. It was so weird how congested it was. It was basically like a 3-1-5-1 a one, one at times and with three central attacking players. But lining up with two defensive midfielders in Gomez and Lamina to then three centre-backs behind that, there were so many bodies in the middle. Yeah, it's a, it's a wonder that City didn't try and... You know, maybe put Foden back out wide and getting him involved or trying to get Docu in behind it. I, yeah, I don't know why changes didn't happen in that. You know, Guardiola, as none of us knew until <laughs> an hour before, was suspended for the match and was watching on from from a good, the, you know, the Sam Allardyce vantage point um, up in the top stand. And, you know, I'm, I'm never going to want to say I know. Because <laughs> oh. I obviously don't. But I, it, I'd love to know why he didn't change things a little bit in a tactical point. Yeah, I mean, I... It feels like with the, all the injuries that you've got and suspensions, mm. it kind of feels like a f- few too many square pegs mm. for round holes. Like, you know, you, you coach is not fully convincing as a six because he's played eight all season and Nunes not sort of fully trusted and Foden Alvarez not trusted mm. to play as eights and Grealish only coming back fit. Um, so you can kind of, explain a lot of it away the other kind of minor concern be- would be in sort of what say you've done so well for so long is the defense mm. and like you know Nathan Ake last season had Bakayo Saka in his pocket when mm. they played Arsenal so him getting done so easily against Wolves is that a, a concern is Ake would Ake still be your pick for like for left back with with Arsenal in mind to be honest, no, I think Gvardiol has done quite good at left-back. Yeah, but he's been pretty poor defensively, hasn't he? I, th- I think with the speed he has, yeah, it just makes it a more natural fit. Now, I don't blame it all on Ake on Saturday. As I said, the defence, how it was set up, he was left stretched, he was left exposed without Rodri as the other kind of defender helping out and the way City, would, everyone was getting stretched. It wasn't completely on him, but the, the, the damning thing was that he got beat on two one-on-ones, two one-on-ones for each goal, and that isn't even including the ones he got beat on elsewhere. Like it, the the Neto goal, he he went in for the tackle, and I think he said it deflected off him and went back into Neto's path. And as he said, he admitted himself like that. Normally, I'd have won that. I didn't. I'm annoyed. I'm frustrated. I'm not happy with myself. He, he fronted up after the match and was honest about it. I don't, you know, and as he said himself, everyone can have bad days. He had a bad day. He got done by a really pacey winger on his side without much support. Like Docker wasn't helping out much going back the other way. And maybe that's another area for concern. Like I think Grealish is a lot better at tracking back off the, the limited uh, time yeah. I've seen of, of Docker. He was really pushing high. 
So, you know, it almost felt like everything conspired to be against Ake, against one of the informed forwards in the league as well. Like I think Neto's got um, six or seven assists now to his name, or maybe even eight already this season. And that's in a, a struggling Wolf side amid chaos with how they started the season. So it was against a really good opponent. He was in a defence that was constantly dragged out of balance. He had no support for his winger and City's best defensive midfielder wasn't playing. That's a lot of stuff to be up against. He would be. He was disappointed. He was the the only player to kind of speak to us in the mix zone after the match, and he spoke really well. Um, you know, said I'm really. You know, saying I think everyone played poorly, but as I was, I need to look at myself first. Is what he said. Uh, I can't call it. You know, I can't really look at look at anyone else when my performance was bad. Basically, admit it was like his toughest toughest game as a City player. Um, I think he'll bounce back from that. He's you know he was captain midweek. He's a well respected figure in that dressing room. As you say, he's had a great season last year but I do think he might be better as a centre-back because I don't know I, I like him better as a centre-back with the making the centre-back pairing more balanced with Diaz and Ake obviously having different feet and Guardiola um, maybe I've not seen enough of City but I've been kind of impressed with him whenever I've seen a player this year like what's like what from your opinion why has he not been maybe well, after he, one he's been, the curve he, yeah he's been good going forward but his positioning has been kind right. of you look at him and you think that's a guy sort of... Getting used to. Try, yeah, who doesn't know how to play left-back in a City system. Mm. And he, he's, I think he got caught out against Fulham a few times okay. and uh, Sheffield United. So, I, you know, I've liked what I've seen from him, but he's been weak defensively mm. as think, a left-back. Well, I think his pace would have been a real... like The half-time change I would have made would have been to get Guardiola in there somehow because I just think his pace against Neto would have been such... and. He might be positioning poor, but I think one on one, his his strength and his his size and his speed, does Neto get past Guardiola as easy? I'm you know we'll never know, but it's up there for debate. I'd have brought him on um, that match just because Ake was just, it was one of those matches where you know he's just not going to have a good day. He was not winning any, kind of any challenge. He was constantly getting beaten. You know maybe Saka's out for Saturday. I'm sure that'll be relief. But Leipzig first. Um, Who've got their own their own fair helping of a, you know, speed and attacking attacking flair. So it'd be interesting to see if he keeps his spot. You know, Guardiola often backs players after a bad showing to keep that faith. I'm sure Rake will bounce back, but it'd be it'd be interesting to see where in defence he lines up going forward because they say it was not a good day for him. And uh, it was that Korean guy <laughs> who scored the winner. Um, like we've just gone through everything that went wrong. Uh, I feel like I should explain that before you get, <laughs> before you get well, cancelled. <laughs> yeah, for anyone that didn't see Pep's press conference on Friday, that was how he uh, referred to Huang when he uh, was listing Wolves' quality in the tank. Mm. And there was uh, a very funny Wolves tweet when he scored <laughs> in response. Yeah, hopefully that keeps keeps my job. He shouldn't have been on the pitch. Like, well, you know, I, if you look at it, I thought that's second yellow. This is the interesting one. I'd like to see it again because I've, I've, I was had my head in the laptop blogging, yeah. and the laptop was partially blocking the little telly like, we get. I, I think it's maybe one of those that looks worse, like on replay, yeah. or you don't notice first time, and then you see it, and you're like, "Well, that's technically a second yellow, it's, isn't it?" Yeah, I think it's one of those. I'd like to see it again to be sure, so don't don't yeah. end me to the cross. But when I was watching it in real time, I didn't. I felt it was more like he tried to clear it clearance and caught yeah yeah technically yeah. yeah it should have been a yellow but i think and i know intent doesn't really matter etc and so on but i think like it wasn't at all 
meant to be a challenge, it seemed to me. It was more of trying yeah. to block clearance. Yeah, and he's yeah. caught him, technically a yellow, but when you're already on a yellow, you get away with it. You know, the the, yeah. the fun. So I, I, I think that's one of those where, yeah, it could have gone on another day. I don't think, you know, well, it obviously would have made a difference because the player who scored the winner wouldn't have been on the pitch. Yeah. I don't think it, and obviously City would have had an advantage, but I don't think City can blame that, I should say, completely no, on the loss. No, and I, and they haven't, mm. but I think it's quite important in this kind of, well, sort of week of the, refereeing decisions that like... Current climate. I, I, I think if it had been given as a second yellow, I don't think anyone would have... Exactly. Sort of said I think both ways... Yeah. I think VAR didn't intervene, which is strange, but I think because it was one yeah. of those where it's yeah. a real matter of opinion. I don't think it was clear and obvious if that's even the parameter we're working on anymore. Yeah. I don't think it was clear and obvious either way to have had it changed from that decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could have easily been a red and obviously he went and scored. But the, the funny thing where it all comes from is that before City's free kick, Wolves thought they should have had a free kick. So when City then got a free kick and scored off it, we had the... Uh, the delightful chance of Premier League corrupt as F and all this sort of stuff, which, you know, Wolves did benefit from the most controversial decision of the match massively. Yeah. Yet it was, you know, when me and Ty were walking to the ground, actually, through over a bypass near, near Molyneux, we, we stumbled through a, a conspiracy theory mass gathering, shall we say. It was very funny. They were standing in the middle of a bypass with big yellow placards and they were... I don't even, I don't know if they were protesting or just bringing awareness to every single conspiracy theory under the sun. It was very funny. There was, there was chemtrails, I actually saw a chemtrail kind of protest in real life. That was enlightening. <laughs> I didn't actually think they existed outside of the dark, dark corners of the internet. And there was stuff about, is it Ulez? Is that the thing about fuel in London? Yes. There, there was stuff about that. It's only in London, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So they were protesting that in Wolverhampton. I think there might have been smart motorways was one, um, climate changes, climate control, all this, all this sort of absolute, yeah, I can't swear. I thought the Conservative Party conference was in Manchester. <laughs> oh, Sorry, that'll get, good that, one. that'll get cut out, won't it? Can't be too political. But Sorry. there was just all this, I feel like not to get all deep in that, but the world seems to be going absolutely mental where like people are just believing the most wackiest of stuff that would usually be saved for the dark corners of the internet. And in this, in this, and this is all leading to the point of when small, well, away fans are, sorry, home fans in mass volume and everyone singing, it's corrupt because they didn't get a free kick, which then leads to like what's happened in the Liverpool game this week and how it leads to, you know, some people kind of throwing stuff in, you know, conspiracy stuff in City's way as a result. Everyone's seeing like demons in the closet that just aren't there. And I always think never, I always try and live by the, the modem of never conspire, never credit kind of, what's it called? Uh, bad, oh, I've got the, the good word to make it sound nice. Um, you've done all never, this good stuff and you've know, lost it. But never credit uh, badness instead of when you can credit. <laughs> oh. Oh, <laughs> when you can credit no. incompetence or stupidity or forgetfulness or dumbness. Yeah, yeah. Never, malice, that was the word. Malice. Never credit, mal never think someone's doing something, or most of the time anyway, don't think someone's doing something for a malish, malicious reason when it's usually just incompetence or forgetfulness yeah. or stupidity. I try and live by that, but I, I, I can... My girlfriend certainly tests me when she, <laughs> <laughs> when she doesn't do her share of the parts. I really, really really puts it to the test and you know all this with wolves <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
all this with Wolves saying it's a conspiracy theory I'm like, and everything else. I'm like, lads, it wasn't, they didn't think it was a free kick. City could have had a sending off. Yeah. You benefited the most. And all that, of course, leads to the, the absolute mess that was <laughs> the match I was listening to on the radio on the way home, which was very funny. So, so it was a farce one to Liverpool. Basically, yeah, Liverpool scored a goal that was onside. The on-field officials gave it as offside. It went to VAR to check it, oh, who thought that goal. the goal had been given. So they said, oh. they saw it was onside and said, check complete. And the on-field officials took that to mean that it was offside, <laughs> restarted play with a free kick. Oh. Nobody from the VAR team said, no, no, we meant it's a goal. It's a goal. It's a goal. Give a goal. And then apparently in the three kicks been played, you can't go back. Which is the I, weirdest bit for me. Yeah. Why is that, that's so arbitrary. Yeah. We've seen games where a penalty yeah, will yeah. happen at one end. A, the team it's against will Game will go score. on for three minutes. Yeah, yeah. It will go and score. Then it'll get called back to the penalty. Then yeah. it'll get charged off. And then the other team will get a penalty and they'll score that. Yeah. I'm pretty sure in Italy or something a couple of years ago, that happened like the 90th yeah. minute. Yeah, yeah. Which, how that didn't get yeah. thrown to the ground then, so, I'll never know. So, it, I mean, it's... It doesn't make sense to it, me. It's, it's terrible human error in that yeah. instance, isn't it? And, yeah. like, what the referees should do is set, is come out and say, we will sort of... We will no longer say, check complete, or we will say, the goal should stand, how? or the goal shouldn't stand, or it's offside, I'll it's be, onside. I want to hear how they speak. Yeah. Not just necessarily yeah, for this yeah. decision, because, I mean... It would be very funny to hear what was actually being said well, in the panic yeah, in that yeah. room. But what I want to know is like, do they not just speak like normal people? Do they have to speak in this code? Yeah, you know? yeah. It's like this, this eagle stands. has left the nest. Go do home. <laughs> do they not just say, um, who went ref? Um, in finger. Uh, it went past him because he was at sea. Um, he's usually the one around it. But yeah. they never go, Craig, I'm sorry, lad. We've had a little bit of a mix up there. Yeah, That's yeah. That's that, mate. Yeah. Can they not just say that instead of, Abort, abort. I know, I know. I, I'd love to know the panic that was, um, I'd love to know the panic that was rising in that room um, at the time. But um, yeah, it's, it's just, it, so, so it's, it's terrible. Just, it's it's a really bad thing, and, isn't it? And Liverpool have come out with a statement. Uh, Which is worrying, I think. That sort of can, doesn't accept the apology, basically. No. And it's says, quite ominously worded. Yeah, it nicely. says they will explore other sort of means, which no one knows quite. What Even if it's means. not by words, says it undermines the sporting integrity, which yeah, it does. Team uh, who but... wanted to go to Super League, like yeah, you know, yeah. it's all about what yeah. I don't know. I know yeah. that was probably a bit what about me, but yeah, but... I think that that threat of potentially it being a legal matter, which could happen at some point. I'm not saying yeah. this matter exactly, but the way yeah. this is going and the, the amount of money at stake, it's not far away, and that's kind of really worrying. Yeah. Um, it, it's heavy language for a, yeah. a heavyweight club to be thrown around. Yeah. Um, and a subset of sort of the, the refereeing decisions mm. is that the referee, whose name we should mm. know for this very purpose. I know the full, I know where the VAR the, one was. The VAR <laughs> one, Darren England as well. They were refereeing in the UAE mm. on Thursday. Yeah. Were they refereeing on VAR in? I think it was the same combination. So right. all the the whole team. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's a it's a fair question to say, mm. you know, who signed this off from Howard Webb or whoever the referees mm. and you know, can a referee ref on Thursday and Saturday? Mm. Like is are you fatigued? Is that I I, I, I think, presume they do well yeah, players wouldn't play on a first 
they'd play on Sunday if they played on a Thursday night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they'd, they'd have more of a turnaround. So is it fair to expect a ref to be able to turn in mm -hmm. two good performances in three three days? Where it has gone into full-on conspiracy mode is people suggesting that because those two refs have been in the UAE, maybe because Manchester City's owners are, you know, prominent figures in the UAE, that perhaps this is all one big news um, for Man City, who are under Premier League investigation for potentially breaking a number of very serious yeah. rules. Is this another way where Man City have benefited um, and their rivals have been cops, which, which is, is just like, uh, it's insanity. It, you took the word, it's absolutely <laughs> insane. For one, Tottenham are higher in the table than Liverpool and Tottenham being the beneficiary of that decision means Tottenham are now second. I, I don't know if Liverpool would have jumped to second if they had of... Might on top. Right, okay, fair enough. So it has stopped Liverpool going okay, top. Fair in, enough, then. What is it? September, well, October. It's not exactly like it's not. You know, it's October. Yeah. Tiles aren't decided in October. Yeah. It's benefited Spurs more than anyone because Spurs are now second, a one point behind City. Yeah. And undefeated still, and looking really good. Could maybe I doubt it. The squad's too thin, but could maybe be a challenger for City. Could square enough for a good season. Yeah, yeah. With all with um, Liverpool City, uh, Liverpool City, to Tottenham and Arsenal all shaping up good. And Ockham's razor, man. The simplest answer is the right one. Is this a global network conspiracy where referees are flying to UAE to give a decision which they had no idea could possibly have happened? And would have had seconds to react to in real time. Would is that are they are they conspiring to not give Liverpool a goal and send two of the players off again as well? I presume um, in this one match in early October, which probably won't have much bearing on the season come May, as we've seen. Every point matters, but so much can change from there and then. Or have referees that. God bless them, because <laughs> God bless them, because Christ, I wouldn't do their job. But referees who, by the large, the standards of whom have been declining massively over years, would somehow conspire to do probably one of the most monumental mistakes I've ever seen in real life. You know what's more simpler: underfunded referees using a appalling system made a massive mistake. I think that's the more reasonable explanation there's a big debate about VAR and uh, it shouldn't even be a debate it should be put in the bin but <laughs> and you know I think refereeing in this country needs to be completely overhauled given the, the extent of the mistakes and the amount of apologies Howard Webb's having to make week after week and didn't Wolves as we talked about uh, after the very first game um, the very first weekend of the season Wolves should have had a penalty in the last minute to equalise for and you know every team I suppose because it's so so such, poor across the board such rank incompetence all over the gaff and again they're not funded enough um you know they should i think they should be more worried about potentially referees going off to saudi arabia where they'll will not have to referee at any near as higher stakes or at higher intensity and probably get a lot more money for it and if you lose the ones that are the best in the country what the what on earth happens then because i tell you something it does not get better the further down you go that pyramid that is for sure um yeah, I think every club's going to be on the wrong end of an absolute stinker this season to have this weekend 
are not quite to that level, but they'll feel aggrieved. Everyone's going to be on the wrong end of it, and there's no, you know, the conspiracy theories in this world are public money going into private hands, not refereeing <laughs> decisions, I'm afraid. Focus your energy somewhere else, people. And and this is it. Simon Hooper was the referee. Oh, okay, we got there in the and end. And lovely producer has told us, um, doing our work for us, which is excellent. Uh, but this is it, like, there needs to be stuff done to improve refereeing. Mm -hmm. And Liverpool have put out a statement and people have said, oh, you shouldn't, like, criticise Liverpool for putting out a statement. Every team needs to get behind these mm -hmm. changes. And it's fair, but, like, that is undermined when those same people who were praising Liverpool for putting out statements and saying everyone needs to get behind mm -hmm. and saying, oh, but what if actually it's a big thing to help Man City? You don't even kind of want to give them oxygen because it is so ridiculous. We could do a whole hour on... But, you know, yeah, Ma Man City have had some pretty shocking decisions against mm -hmm. Liverpool down the years. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, like you said, it happens to every club and it will happen to every club. And Craig Pawson was not great on Saturday. No. And that kind of, that's got no coverage, barely any coverage. No. I don't think the um, the Huang second yellow was even covered on match of the day. No. It's like, and it should, it's what, what else are you there for? We've talked about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and, you know, and, you know, in the Wolves match, he did, Pawson did kind of lose control of it at some points. There was a kickoff at the end of the match yeah. between Grealish and, uh, oh, who was it on the Wolves side? Semedo, I think it was. They both got booked after the final whistle. Yeah. There was a bit, there was some handbacks when it was quite funny. Doku tried rolling the injured um, eight Nori, I think it was, off the pitch. Or it might have been Hoang, actually. Right. Um, it pulled up on the touchline and he tried rolling them off. It was quite funny. That's that instigated predictable handbags. <laughs> there was a few more, There was, I think there was nine bookings. Um, there was nine bookings at City with Wolves. Um, and I'm not sure if the two after the whistle counted, but that's a lot of yellows for a match. Yeah. Um, and you know, even if it's not the big decisions, the 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 standard of just like controlling games, and I'm glad he didn't because it made for a mint game with lots of action, lots of fire. But in terms of kind of player welfare and the kind of integrity of the match and whatnot, the whole general standard is at such a such an idea, and it needs to it needs to be increased. Not just the the headline, not just the headline big controversial moments, but just the the general managing the general managing of games is just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, like, the Liverpool one was nothing to do with technology. Mm. It, is, it is just literally, like, two sets of people mm. being stupid. Yeah, and it's not... VAR, I said, it's, the VAR itself, most of the time, works. The application of it, which, yeah. and because humans are applying it, there's always going to be human error. But I think the problem what VAR has done massively is, like, it's taken the onus away from referees. They can defer any decision. They yeah, want, yeah, yeah. Stop them from being decisive, and yeah. at least, you know, in the, the the glory days before it, when there was a decision that was poor, and you know, we all, you know, we've all slagged referees off, and we all deserve what we're getting for the massive pressure we've put on referees to be perfect all the time. You know, maybe we're all eating our words a bit now. I've certainly called referees before. I was certainly probably in favour of a version of VAR at one point, and quickly realised what a terrible, terrible mistake was made. But it's. They're so indecisive. Everyone defers decisions, you know, and you get the weights and it's ruined the spontaneity and everything. And even if the VAR itself works, the application of it has been so dreadful that it's just completely... I feel yeah, like yeah but, it, but I mean, it, it's a bit like, you know, you, you, you've got to have sympathy for referees in that, like, players are trying to cheat them all the time. Mm -hmm. And you have to have sympathy for VAR in that managers just abuse it all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, Eric Ten Hag coming out and saying, oh, they've drawn the lines on wrong. Like, no, they've, they've not. And But, but the... 
the confidence and faith is so low yeah. that um, conspiracy can be seen. That when you, when you know your the manager of your team says, "Oh, that's a VAR problem. That's not or mm-hmm. not setting the sort of the offside trap up correctly," then a load of people will believe them, and so it, it is very difficult. But generally, standards need to improve. Oh. But we need kind of everyone to be together and not kind of pie in the yeah, it sky. Can't be. Liverpool, and I understand they can be annoyed. I mean, who was it who went down a couple of years ago from when Aston Villa stayed up over a goal line technology decision? It was Sheffield United, like, they didn't cause up this much of a stink. Yeah. Sheffield United caused up much of a stink when they went down over the Tevez thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think it's a bit much to be making such a song and dance and take such a hard stance on it. But, especially, you know, in a match now, um, you know, and again, talking of sport and integrity, no team who went to the Super League can even, that's pathetic. <laughs> and I'm sorry, even if it is wild barrier, to, to even suggest that, you need to take your head out of your out of your backside. But it's getting to this point because there's so many bad decisions and yeah. you can understand clubs are going to be annoyed. And if, it, if that sort of decision had have happened in a final or cost someone Champions League, cost someone a lot of money, then you... you the way it's going on, they're opening themselves to potential legal issues and... They really need to nip this in the bud before it gets to that point because it will not be a pretty sight if it does. Right, let's steer away from legal issues and return in part three where we will look forward to City's uh, second Champions League game. Welcome back. And we're going to talk RB Leipzig and does anyone care? Uh, <laughs> it's Yeah, it's one of those games in it. Champions League group says there's so little jeopardy. In yeah. That, um, and this is the good Champions League. Imagine what it's going to be like next year, is it? When yeah, two yeah. teams eliminated after 30 fixtures. That's going to be so much fun. I can't wait. Yes. So um, City are away to RB Leipzig, mm. who are there. Probably the biggest threat in the group. Yeah. Uh, picks up a good result. In their first um, first group game, as City did, so this is kind of this game is to see who gets early control mm. of the group, and also City are coming into it on the back of two straight defeats in two different competitions. The squad probably isn't going to be much better in terms of injuries than it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, does it matter if City lose? In terms of the group, no. Obviously, the two richest teams of every Champions League group pretty much tend to go through I think there's usually only one or two kind of books to that trend usually and often it's United which it could well be again which would be quite funny um, the, the two richest teams in every group go through City already have a good win even if they lose here away you, you'd bet, back them to win the three home matches which pretty much gets them there and again you'd back them to beat the other two teams in the group away as well but what I think it makes it more important is of course getting back to that winning way Ake said after the game, like, you know, we have to, we have to bounce back. We do not like losing two games in a row. And yeah, I don't, I can't, I certainly can't remember the last time they did that. Um, and and the, even more importantly, ahead of Arsenal, you want to get back to a bit of confidence, whereas Arsenal will be full of it, having having um, having beaten Bournemouth 4-0 in, in, in really good stead themselves. Obviously, we'll talk more about the Arsenal match um, later on this week um, and, you know, see where the squads lie because, as we say, Arsenal have got some injuries as well. But, you know, the biggest boost for City, of course, is that Rodri will be playing back. You know, that's the one boost he will get. He will almost certainly start, given 
given he's suspended at the weekend. And having him back in the middle, I think, will just be a massive relief to the team. You'd expect, still expect City to win. Leipzig had a good result the weekend. Well, not really. They were 2-0 up against Bayern Munich and then conspired to draw, but still not bad against the, obviously the, the, the big guns in Germany. So they've got threats, but I mean, City smashed them. Smashed them 7-8-0, uh, 7-0 when they were last at the Etihad. Um, obviously, they drew away, but their goal scorer that day, Jasko Gvardiol, is now on the opposite on the opposite side. Um, Leipzig have, you know, they're, they're significantly weaker now. They've lost in Kunku, um, who didn't play that game, did he? He was injured anyway, but, you know, they still have threats. Leipzig, Javi Simmons is a really talented young player. Um, uh, and, of course, uh, Danny Olmo, they've still got knocking about, haven't they? The big striker, Zesko. They've got threats. They're doing well in, 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 in Germany. But you'd still expect City to beat them, especially with Rodri back. Yeah, they're a, I mean, they've been one of the kind of interesting clubs in Europe for a mm. while with the way they run. And a very interesting uh, summer market, which, like you say, saw them lose Guardiol and uh, Kunku and uh, Sabosli. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So they've kind of, you know, that would rip the core out of kind of any team. But they, they kind of don't, don't blink they've just gone out and bought a load more players and mm. said yeah we're gonna we're gonna go again with the style and that is what you get with a club that's run with the sort of um precision that mm. they are and and they will expect to make the the champions Lo- league knockout stages so it is a it is a tricky game for um for city this was the game where last season they drew one all yeah. and pep went on the pitch afterwards told the players mm. to get their heads up and then said came to the media and said oh you expect us to win every game five nil uh, and and then they they won seven nil. Yeah, but um, you know it it will be a tough place tough place to go. It was I think it was two years ago when they went there for the last uh, group stage game. Yeah, and Kyle Walker got sent off. Yeah, and it really cost them uh, going ahead. So Walker the sort of the most stupid red card mm-hmm. until Rodgers. So, yeah. uh, but like you say, Rodgers back. He, I mean, it is it is what is it? They play Wednesday and then they've got Arsenal on Sunday. Yeah. So. I, so I think Pep can basically play the same team if he wants to because they've got enough recovery in them to be a Yeah. Pro- nice. provi- providing they don't travel by bus, providing they go by bus. Well, yeah, I'm sure he'll have them, them flight tickets. But it, yeah, it seems to me like he can play his strongest team. The question then is is what is his strongest team? Well, yeah, I, I, I think I, I could see a couple of changes. Um, I think Guardiola will come in. Back in you know back in his old stomping ground, um, you know more comfortable playing against German teams, having spent the last three years of his career there. It's a good place for him to, you know, as you say, kind of continue to get used to playing at City. Whereas he, he'll be a bit more familiar, well, extremely familiar with Leipzig's game, and uh, you know, in a bit more of a comfortable environment for him back in his own on his own stomping ground. Rodri coming as we say, it's. Maybe new, who makes way in that midfield? That's the that's an interesting one. Who makes way? Like on terms of performance, it'd be Kovacic for me. I promise I'm not picking on him. I'm just, just you're so it, lucky that Connor is not in this chair because he'd be coming over and having a fight about. <laughs> um, but you know, if Rodri comes in, I, I expect Haaland to start Champions League. He doesn't. He doesn't really take take chance in the Champions League, does it? Maybe Grealish comes in here, um, gets another ninety minutes under his belt. But otherwise, yeah, I'd expect it to be kind of the, pretty much the same starting lineup. I just wonder if it's. A different system. I wonder if he, if Pep will maybe change it back to the, the centre back going into midfield rather than Walker bombing up. Because I, I know the aim of that is to get forward in midfield. But if he wants forward in midfield, just play forward and 
in midfield. And if he can't, because Alvarez is playing really well, and I know we waxed Liverpool over his performance in the Newcastle match, and that system worked really well then. But I think the the frailties of it and the the downsides of it were shown against Wolves, and they're now going to be playing in Leipzig and then Arsenal, two teams a lot better than Wolves, who probably have been watching the Wolves game and know a pretty clear cut way and how that that system can be can be gotten at. I wonder if it's you know a, a return to the more stand more standard of the centre back going into midfield rather than the right back and then you've got if it's Guardiola or Akanji or Ake, probably Akanji I'd expect with Stone still out doing that I, I'd be interested to see yeah, if, the, if the system changes but otherwise you know Grealish, Guardiola, Rodri other than that probably the same sort of lineup I'd expect I would agree with that and I think you know I'd like to see Grealish back in because I think he's had a lot of uh, a lot of criticism this season for he's, not very much but he started last season and I know his first season was Obviously, underwhelming. Yeah. But the second season he started poor, as I, as I kind of said on last week's podcast, it was, wasn't until Wolves away after the the idea, which was that Borussia Dortmund match. Yeah, yeah. Um, in which he was really bad and was hooked, and about the 58th minute was about to be hooked before Bellingham scored um, the opening goal and then came off before the restart. As it was, Guardiola backed him then. And the very next game, he scored within 50 seconds and was excellent against Wolves. Then excellent against United in the six-three. He starts. He's, you know, he started last season slow. Maybe it's and he, again, he had an injury at the start of last season that reeled him out for a couple of games. Took him a while to get to kind of full fitness. I expect it's kind of maybe similar thing this season. Just feeling his feeling his way back in. Obviously, he's got competition now with Doku, but I think on his day, Grealish is probably still the better player. You know, Doku offers something yeah. different. Yeah, yeah. But, but I think yeah, there's a lot of excitement around Doku, and mm. fair enough. But I, I just kind of think. Yeah, it's the new time maybe. Yeah, he's yeah. New time. He runs at players. He shoots from distance, but you know against Wolves, yeah, it's pretty. But he had like, shots, but it was pretty ineffective. That's what I mean. Without kind of disrespecting Doku, like he's had one very good game. Yeah, and I'm not sure he's had another good game. Mm-hmm. Like so, you know, Grealish did done all right in the games he's played this season. Yeah, I'm you know, this against Sheffield United. So, and like you say, he's been injured again. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I I think. And I, I, yeah, I don't think it really matters if they, if they lose, mm-hmm. long term. But you know, Arsenal. No, yeah, yeah. Like nobody wants another, another hour of us two talking about no everything wrong with City, no. even though they're top of the league. We always talk about kind of momentum and how that win last year. And yeah, you made the the great point that proved to be so correct. Like City beat Arsenal in the FA Cup, and that really just gave City that psychological edge of. Arsenal ahead of us, but we know we can beat them. What they go and do, they went and beat them twice. Yeah. Does that work in reverse if they lose three games in a row and then potentially lose four games in a row? Now, has that ever happened with Guardiola? Yeah, I yeah. Be very I don't think it does. I think I think they've lost three um, in 2018 when they lost both legs of their Liverpool Champions League mm. final and lost to United in the league. Both legs of that Liverpool Champions League quarter final. Terrible refereeing decisions went against. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Um, it's a conspiracy. But. Um, but yeah, it's like, so losing to Newcastle doesn't really matter and you've coded it off anyway. Losing one league game doesn't really matter. Losing one Champions League game doesn't really matter. Losing to Arsenal doesn't potentially matter, but you don't want it all in a row. Lose them in a row as you, So two in a row kind of builds and three would build and leave them really under... You can imagine a really proper, like, um, tetchy Guardiola <laughs> press conference on Friday ahead of Arsenal if, say, losing in Leipzig and everyone's throwing, like... You've never lost three games for five years. What's got? You've never lost four. Yeah. What's going on? Um, so yeah, I can. Oh, yeah. Team 
would like to win football match, I think is what we take from Leipzig. But it's going to be interesting, like you say. Does Rodri come back in? Is he still on the naughty step um, after... I think he has to shred. Well, if he comes back into City, then win 4-0, and then they go and lose to Arsenal. Yeah, but, that but, but ahead of Arsenal, is it? I think would it be more useful to, to play whoever you're going to... Yeah, potentially, but then if you lose without him again, is that really bad? I don't know. Potentially, as I say, I don't know who does that Roger role because I, I, I'd like to think he doesn't play Kovacic there again he took him off at the hour mark but you know for Phillips and I think that says a lot I, I don't think Phillips does do enough to start especially against Arsenal mate does does Lewis Lewis has done it in the kind of inverted role he's good in on the ball but again he's a bit 18 19 he's still inexperienced as well it's gonna it's gonna be a tough decision to make from I, I think that again, that was the juice in the fruit ahead of Wolves without Rodri and then the Nunes thing. I think this is the the bit that's making this game a bit interesting to see what he does. I expect Rodri to start because he'll want his to get his fitness back up after not playing for a week and a half. Wanted to be ready for Arsenal, but you make a good point. Like, is it would it be good preparation for Arsenal without him? And who's going to play there? Honestly, I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to find out. Right. Well, we will. Uh keep you updated with all of that through the week and we'll be back to look back on the RB Leipzig game and look ahead to Arsenal versus City which is a huge uh, Premier League game thank you for watching or listening and please follow and give us a rating and drop some comments in about how much better it is without Connor <laughs> and um, yeah we're on TikTok we're on Twitter we're on Instagram anything you can think of we're on so we'll be back later this week and uh, look forward to having you with us.